Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. And wow, there is a lot going on right now. I didn't realize it until I actually sat down and looked at the calendar. Not only are we still in the midst of Black History Month, which, by the way, if you did not listen to Lise Farah's episode 34, highly recommend. If you didn't listen to episode 15 with Haley Lowe, jump back and listen to that one too. This episode will wait. Those are way better than this one. We also just celebrated the Lunar New Year and the completely made-up holiday of Valentine's Day. Plus, there's President's Day, Mardi Gras, and Ash Wednesday. If you grew up in a liturgical church, your blood pressure just went up a little bit because the follow-up question to Ash Wednesday is always, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm not going to force you to give something up for Lent, but we are going to talk about Ash Wednesday and Lent and what even is this practice because it's just as made up as Valentine's Day. It is not one of the many holidays that we find existing out in the world, or at least in scripture, at all. Lent historically has been a Catholic holiday, and it's about a thousand years old, but it really didn't gain popularity in mainstream Christianity until the 1970s. The Bible does talk about ashes to ashes and dust to dust, which is part of Ash Wednesday. Those who are liturgical go to church on Ash Wednesday. Typically, the service involves having ashes put on your forehead, time of worship, remembering your baptism. It's actually a really beautiful, really powerful thing. And then Ash Wednesday kicks off the season known as Lent. Lent is the 40 days from Ash Wednesday until Easter Sunday, give or take a couple days. Because, well, some people say that Lent ends on Good Friday. Some people say that the Sundays are not included in the 40 days of Lent. So, it's kind of a wishy-washy holiday tradition thing. It is what it is. Many Christians avoid eating meat on Ash Wednesday, and they give it up on the Fridays during Lent, which, to be honest, is probably my sarcastic favorite of the Christian traditions. Because do you know why they do that? Because there was a pope one time whose family was in the fish market, and he wanted to help his family. Yeah, that's where that one comes from, so that's a win. But I do actually think there's power in reflecting. Reflecting on the fact that we don't live forever. From ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Last year on Ash Wednesday, I learned that my friend Robert Walter had been diagnosed with an aggressive leukemia. If we're connected on Instagram, you may have seen that Robert passed away last week. This is fresh on my mind. The idea of mourning, the idea of ashes, the idea of making a world a better place. Because when I learned that Robert was diagnosed, my friend and I were discussing it, and we both had this that's terrible vibe to our conversation. It was awful. We were both heartbroken by it. And this particular friend is usually the one who stops our negative spirals. So I need to take full credit for the fact that this one, it was my turn to break. Because with this power washed over me, and I had this realization of, yeah, I hate that cancer is part of Robert's story. But at the same time, I knew that every single person who encountered Robert all the way through his cancer journey was going to have a moment to encounter Jesus. I didn't know this at the time, 
but a child once heard Robert speak at his church and asked his mom, Mom, was that Jesus speaking at church today? Because that's the kind of person that Robert was. And I knew that on days when he didn't have the ability or the strength to talk about Jesus, to appreciate the medical professionals assisting him, to show them grace, to show them joy, to show them love, when they couldn't see Jesus in him, I knew they'd see Jesus in his wife, Velia. Because that's the kind of people that they are. And in Thanksgiving, Robert asked me to be part of what would be his last ministry escapade here on earth. He said that he wanted to end 2020 speaking life over people. He wanted to call out the beauty that he saw in them. He wanted not just to encourage them, but to truly speak to their heart and call out who they are. Not for what they do, but their character. And he challenged us to journey with him. One person every day. For someone who spent most of that season in the hospital, he did a remarkable good job. Remarkably good job. When we got to the end of 2020, he said something to the extent of, I'm still here in the hospital and I'm still finding new people to speak into the hearts of. And he did a great job. And in the very final Caring Bridge update, before the announcement that Robert had passed away, his wife wrote about how they were grateful they were for the nurse that would be taking care of him that night. She knew that she was leaving Robert in good hands. And they praised God for the nurse who was part of his care team. Less than an hour after that update was posted, Robert passed away. And it was remarkable to read the updates backwards when I woke up in the morning. To recognize that even in their very final post, they called out the character of this particular woman who got to spend Robert's last hours with him. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. A year later. Or what about someone else who passed away recently? Christopher Plummer, better known as Captain Von Trapp. Yes, I did watch Sound of Music again this week in his honor. Such a good movie. But the realization of his passing had me focusing on the captain and his character more than I ever have before. To be completely honest, he's never been my favorite character. But I learned a lot from him in this retelling. I learned how he was willing to stand for what he knew was right. How he was willing to risk the lives of himself and his entire family. Just take a stand against the Nazis. To have courage. To go outside of his comfort zone. He did not want to sing at the festival. To relearn what it looks like to have joy again. After the death of his wife. To learn to laugh with his children and with Maria. It's such a beautiful story. And as I think about these two individuals, one real, one a character, and as I think about Ash Wednesday and ashes to ashes and dust to dust,
I find myself reflecting a lot on what kind of legacy do I want to live. And I think Lent is a great time to pause and to think about those kinds of questions and to recognize that it doesn't just happen at the end of our lives. It's what we're building every day. It's what we're doing every day. It's the little moments. Because the little moments matter. So as I think about Lent, I think about what's getting between me and God. In some seasons, that means the right choice is to fast. In some seasons, it may look like a different discipline. In some seasons, it may look like looking at an area where you want to grow. What's going to make you look more like Jesus? And to be completely honest, because I'm underweight, I have always thought that fasting did not apply to me. And well, I've also been hangry, so I think I quickly learned that that's not actually true. Unfortunately, we're kind of all called to fast. We're not commanded to fast. But it is something that Jesus says when you fast in the Sermon on the Mount. As if he's implying that we will probably fast at some point. However, Christianity and following Jesus does not mean that you check your brain at the door. So as we talk about fasting, as we talk about looking more like Jesus, keep your brain engaged. Okay? I'm not telling you to go fast from all food and water for the next 40 days. Let's just be really clear on that. I'm telling you to be smart and to look at what you've got and what's getting between you and God. And the design of fasting and the design of Lent is to suffer. We're commemorating Jesus' suffering. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. But you're not going to go run a marathon tomorrow. Okay? Lent is a season of training. It's a season of practice. It's a season of discipline. And so what does it look like in your world? As someone who is underweight, I have to be really careful with what kind of fast I'm doing and for how long. I have to be really smart about it. I have found a practice that works for me and works for my body. It is still really hard. But I don't have to worry about am I going to be dropping pounds all the time. If you've got a history of an eating disorder, if you're pregnant, if you've got other physical conditions, mental conditions, maybe fasting is not the right choice for you when it comes to food. Talk to your team, talk to your friends, talk to your people around you. Figure out what it looks like for you. And those of us who grew up in the liturgical church know that you can get really creative with your fasting. In fact, I think I didn't really know people who knew how to fast until, well, outside of the liturgical church. Based on my experience, giving something up for Lent historically always meant like snacks or chocolate or all desserts. That was always a question. Are you giving up just chocolate or are you giving up all desserts? Because there are a lot of caveats if you're just giving up chocolate. Vanilla ice cream has never been so good. I can't have chocolate, but I can have cherry pie. There are options. You just have to get creative. Or what about non-food fasts? I know a lot of people give up social media for Lent. If you're going to do that, pop over to katieaxelson.com. Let's be email friends instead. Or I knew a middle schooler one time 
who gave up the color orange. Why? I don't know. I think she just didn't like orange. And I think her English teacher didn't so much like that she gave up the color orange for Lent, when on Ash Wednesday, the student who gave up orange walked into class and refused to sit down because all of the chairs were orange. The English teacher said, go over to the other classroom and get a blue chair. And for the next 40 days, one blue chair sat in a classroom full of orange chairs so that the I've given up orange for Lent girl had a place to sit. At least it was entertaining to the rest of us. Dallas Willard wrote about how fasting teaches us to suffer happily. And let's be real, at some point in life, we will all suffer. So might as well be in the practice of learning how to do it well, right? Lent is a chance for us to practice that. But fasting's not the only way we can make it a special time with God. There are other sacrifices that we can make that draw us closer to Jesus. The year I lived abroad, I didn't really know what I was going to do for Lent. Because how do you give up something for Lent when you're already living out of a backpack? Literally, 50 pounds on my back, including a tent, 30 pounds on my front, including my computer. I was a nomad. I was a nomad missionary carrying everything that I owned. Everythinged. Everythinged. Making up words. Everything I owned from country to country. And even if I did decide to give up like something physical, I still had to carry it with me. It's not like I'm just going to ditch it forever because Lent's only 40 days and hey, I'm here for 11 months. And I couldn't really give up food because our meals were mostly served for us and it would have been rude to decline. So what does that mean? And so I prayed about it. I posted on Facebook about it and asked other people's opinions. It was actually really interesting to hear the opinions of so many other people of what I should do about Lent since I was already living as a nomad missionary. And ultimately, what I felt like the Lord was calling me to was to buy something for someone else every time I bought something for myself. And here's what I mean by that. I lived on a $5 a day food budget. My meals were all taken care of. All is a relative term. I was often hungry. But I had three meals a day. And so if I was buying something, it was a treat. Like I would stop at the corner shop and buy a 25 cent ice cream. Or some days I would splurge and buy the 75 cent ice cream. Oh my goodness. I think we single-handedly kept that ice cream shop owner in business the month that we lived there. And I decided that any time I was buying something for someone else, excuse me, every time I was buying something something for me, I had to buy something for someone else. The good news is, I was not allowed to go anywhere alone. So if I went over to the ice cream shop, I could easily like buy one for myself and then be like, hey buddy, I'm going to get your ice cream today too. Except what if my buddy doesn't want ice cream? So I decided I had to buy something like of equal value. I couldn't just like buy myself the 75 cent ice cream and buy them the 25 cent ice cream. That would be cheating and cheap. And if they didn't want the ice cream, well, then I had to figure out somebody else to give it to. So one particular day, they didn't want ice cream. So I bought two 75 cent ice creams and I ate one and I hoped and prayed the other one would not melt on my walk home. And I put it in the freezer. And I thought and I prayed and I thought, hmm, who should I give this to? And I had decided on a name. But that particular individual wasn't home right then. A couple hours later, 
That individual got home and frankly, they had had a terrible day. So I heard about their day and I said, hey, I actually bought some ice cream for you. It's in the freezer right now. Oh my gosh, it made their day. It made their day to know that I had thought of them and I had bought them ice cream before I even knew they were having a bad day. So if I bought something for myself, I had to buy something for someone else. Except 40 days is a long time. And living as a nomad missionary with people, you're in very small spaces. And I was sometimes mad at the people I was living with. And I definitely did not want to give them gifts on days when I was mad at them. So there was one particular day. I'd purchased a candy bar for myself. And I purchased a candy bar for someone else. But I was too mad at everybody to give it to anybody. So it just went in my bag. And a couple days later, we were at church. And church was going long. And long. And long. And one of my teammates, I'm not going to tell her story. I'll just tell you what you need to know. She was having some issues with her blood sugar at the time. And as church is going on and on and on, lunch is getting later and later and later. And we hadn't planned for this. So we hadn't eaten for this. So her blood sugar was not stable for this. And it was in that particular moment the Lord reminded me that I had purchased a candy bar for someone else. It saved the day, frankly. It straight up saved the day that I happened to have a candy bar in my bag because no one else had any food and she needed some th- something now. So for me, when I think about this made-up practice of Lent, I don't think about the question, what can I give up for Lent? Because fasting is in scripture. It's an important discipline. You see it in Daniel. That's an awesome fast, by the way, if you're fasting for the first time, something to look into. Probably not starting 40 days, but something to look into is the Daniel fast. You see it in Acts. You see it in Exodus. You see it in Esther. You see it in Luke. You see it in 2 Samuel. Jesus fasted between when he was baptized and when he started his ministry. It's a powerful practice and it's humbling because you don't realize how reliant you are on whatever it is you're fasting. And it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a suffering. It's supposed to help you recognize what you're numbing when you're just scrolling on social media. It's supposed to help you recognize that, hey, underneath that hangry, is some anger. Food is vital to our well-being, but so is recognizing why we're hangry. And sometimes fasting is a fad. It's just something to do that everyone else is doing. Have you ever heard of intermittent fasting, the keto diet, Whole30? There are lots of them. Fasting for the purpose of fasting without supplementing it with prayer And petitioning for spiritual breakthrough is just a bad diet. It's not actually helpful. This is not a health podcast. I'm not telling you that those diets are terrible or awesome. I'm just commenting on the fact that that is not the purpose. The goal is not physical health benefits, though they may exist. The goal is spiritual health. And so for me, I take a look at the question of what's getting between me and God. A woman I was discipling at one point said, every time I try to spend time with the Lord, I just end up falling asleep. She goes, it doesn't matter where I sit 
or what I'm doing or what time of day it is. Every time I try to spend time with the Lord, I fall asleep. So naturally I asked her, like, are you falling asleep? Like when you're doing other things too? She's like, no, only when I'm spending time with the Lord. And I said, okay, great. Let's rebuke the spirit of exhaustion. She goes, spirit of exhaustion. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I said, I don't know if it's a thing or not, but it's getting between you and God. And so it's got to go. Hey, that's one way to deal with it. It was gone. We got rid of it. So what's getting between you and God? And that's what I want you to step into this Lent. Take a look at your life. Take a look at what it's going to look like to suffer. Just a little bit. You're not running a marathon tomorrow. You're training. Take a look at what it's going to look like to do something a little bit different. One of the practices I picked up from Robert Walter is looking at my life and looking at each day and going, how can I make today better for someone else? It's actually surprisingly easy once you recognize it. It's a call that could have taken two minutes, taking 20, because you listened and you didn't cut it off when it got a little bit outside of your comfort zone. It's texting someone and just blessing them and saying, hey, this is how I see the Lord in you. Because ashes to ashes and dust to dust, we all came from somewhere and we're all not going to be here forever. So what does it look like to make the most of this life? To bring glory to God and to make ourselves look more like Jesus. In different ways, we've fasted a lot over this last year because if you remember a year ago the pandemic hadn't quite started yet we'd had COVID cases in the world China was pretty well shut down but the United States we're still going strong we've fasted a lot of social activities gathering together, hugging, being with people. Some of us have lost our jobs. Some of us have worked overtime. You kind of seem to be in one of those two categories. Not really anything in between. We've given up a lot. We've suffered a lot. So what does it look like to use this season to make ourselves look more like Jesus? Maybe you reach out to somebody every day. Maybe you bless someone. Maybe you do grocery drop-offs. Maybe you do toilet paper drop-offs. Hey, remember when that was a thing a year ago? Maybe you read a certain book of the Bible or a certain collection of books of the Bible. Maybe you dedicate 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour of every single day to sit down and hear from the Lord. Maybe there's something specific that you want to see him do in your life. And maybe you go after that by finding ways to practice and to do a little bit more of whatever that thing is. What does it look like for you to go closer to Jesus in this season? To take one step towards him. Because ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But that time in between is a lot of one single steps. So what's one single step you want to focus on 
for the next 40 days to draw closer to Jesus and to look more like him. To hear more about the season when I live as a nomad missionary, check out the book Jesus Shoes. It's available on Amazon. If you don't like Amazon, you can just Venmo me $3 and let me know your email address and I'll send it to you. For more information on fasting, check out Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster and The Spirit of Discipline by Dallas Willard. There are also some awesome recipes online for the Daniel Fast, if that's something you choose to explore. And remember, your worth is not determined by what you do or how you grow. Your worth is already determined in who the Lord is and who he has called you to be. The matter of your worth was settled at the cross. And so today, we gaze our eyes towards the cross. And these next 40 days, we focus on the cross and we see Christ in a whole new way. I'd love for you to continue journeying with us. Hit that subscribe button, leave a rating, leave a review. Maybe send the episode to a friend and say, hey, I'm thinking about practicing Lent for the first time. Do you want to join me in this? We'll see you again in two weeks, my friends. Keep your eyes fixed on the cross. I look forward to seeing what he does in your world.